creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Hey, you're listening to Creative Pep Talk, a weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm Annie J. Pizza, I'm a New York Times bestselling author and illustrator, and I will be your guide on this creative expedition. Let's go. This is a Q&A Ask Dr. Pizza episode. Um, I'm not a doctor of anything besides pizza. I don't know what that means. I made this... Dr. Pizza thing back when very few people were listening to this show and I felt I was just being silly. Now I'm self-conscious about calling myself a doctor when I'm not on the internet because so many people do weird things impersonating (laughs) professionals um, online. But I'm not a real doctor, but I still have a sweet theme song, uh, Ask Dr. Pizza theme song. Um, And so we got to go with it, right? Uh, I can't waste that. We're going to answer two questions on this episode. So stay tuned if you have questions about overthinking. How do you get out of your head and actually make stuff that's good, that's loose, that's fun? And then we're also going to talk about what do you do when you're doing a lot of stuff you like, but no one else seems to like it. That's what we're going to talk about. Let's go. Oh yeah, one more thing. The two recordings, the questions that you hear in this episode, they were recorded by going to creativepeptalk.com and just pushing the little microphone at the bottom right-hand corner. Uh, It's not going to instantly record you. Don't panic, but you can click that and you can click record and you can ask your questions and your question might be featured on an upcoming episode of Ask Dr. Pizza. Uh, I love answering questions. I love hearing kind of what you're wrestling with because it makes it easier to make relevant episodes to everybody. Um, so go do that. I love, I love hearing it. And um, it was really fun jumping into these questions. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, AnnieJPizza.com if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express. 
the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. listener here. I had a question about thinking about the creative process too much. And sometimes I feel like when I am spending too much time analyzing uh, what I do and why I do it and doing prompts and exercises that can be very helpful, it's it's kind of the opposite of what I need to be doing. And it's kind of a sign that I'm over. I'm just getting deeper and deeper into my head and um, overthinking it, and need to kind of do the opposite. Do you ever get that yourself? Um, I'm not sure if you had this question before, but yeah, sometimes I just feel like it can be really productive and really what I need, but then other times it's the opposite of what I need. And it's just driving me deeper and deeper into my own head. Um, yeah, let me know. Okay. This is a question that gets at something that I think about on, I think about related to this show a lot. And it's something that I feel I want to reiterate and plaster everywhere about this show, because in this show, we talk a lot about creative best creative practices and kind of being analytical about your practice and critical and thoughtful and trying different things. And I realized that it it's possible to consume this show and get a creative version of the yips. The yips, if you don't know, it sounds like one of those weird puppets on, um, Sesame Street or the Muppets, like I could definitely yip 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 that kind of thing. Connor, your stuff there, but the yips is something that happens to pitchers in baseball where they forget how to pitch, and there's a lot of thought that says this is because they're thinking about pitching when pitching and and executing your athletic thing is best done without thinking. And on this show, the way that I kind of envision these ideas best working in your practice and not getting you in your head is that you do what great athletes do, which is they watch the tapes, they watch the videos of them playing and their techniques and in practice, they're thoughtful and mindful about, you know, tucking their elbow in under the ball before they shoot. They're thinking about their technique. But when game time comes, 
all of the thinking goes out the window. And if you practice and if you're mindful and you put in the time and thought before the game, you can actually feel confident about walking out onto the court and letting whatever happens happen without thinking, with just play. And I do this, I see this in my public speaking. If I have a particularly important speaking engagement, like sometimes I get brought in and it's not a, a, a big paid kind of thing. It's a, more informal. It's a Q&A. It's, a, it's just a chat, whatever it is. And I like to be really loose in that and not overthink it and not overplan it. But if this is something that's going to be filmed, if it's something that's a little bit more formal, then I'm going to really try to memorize this talk, maybe not word for word, but but nearly, and, and rehearse it 10 times and script it and write it out. Like I've done that a bunch of times. And the reason is so, not so that I can go perform it perfectly, but so that I can step on that stage without any mental energy, without any concern for do I know my stuff? Do I have my technique? It gives me an incredible amount of ease and freedom to go onto the court and just play. And I think for me, there's a few different ways of not getting in your head. Because if you're in your head the entire time you're making, you're not in the side of you that's in the flow. And what I've found is there's kind of two things that can happen, two ways I can enter that. One is sometimes I'll write like an article before I make an illustration. I'll write out everything I'm trying to say, everything I'm trying to illustrate in words and really think about it, really be mindful about it and really rack my brain and furrow my brow. And then when I go to draw, I'm trying to just Ouija board creativity, as John Mayer calls it, where he's just making up lyrics on the spot, just saying melodies, not overthinking it, uh, and just kind of letting that stuff seep into it and just doodle and see what comes out. And I try to really make a distinction between those two phases. And if I find myself thinking, ah, that's not good, that's not good, I then try to draw something worse. Or you can do it the exact opposite way. You can do the Ouija board creativity, the just, you know, making up sounds and, and letting stuff fall out of your mouth that has no meaning and just as a melody. And then later put your editing hat on and say, well, what could this be about? Or what could I say there that actually means something? I think the main takeaway is that these are two distinct brain states that cannot happen simultaneously. And when you try to think about your technique while you're pitching in the game, you won't be playing, you'll be thinking, and you will likely get the yips. You'll forget how to play. And I think it's really important, actually, to have not just different times in your creative process, but different creative outlets and different ways to make money. It wasn't until I was years into this podcast that I finally published this Invisible Things post on Twitter, 
And I really felt like I was just giving away the idea. It was something that I had been pitching in picture books for a long time and it wasn't working and I couldn't figure it out. And I put it on Twitter really as a like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm just putting it out in the world because I, I just can't figure it out. And I was willing to do that because I had two or three other arms to my creative practice and I didn't need this thing to happen. And it wasn't until I started to get in that free space of letting go that I was able to create the container that made that property make sense and then eventually led to it actually becoming a picture book. And so I think having multiple phases in your creative process, having multiple outlets, uh, Austin Kleon talks about it like having multiple desks. You have like your analog station, your workstation, then you have your, your like editing tech station. If you can just even, I, I love that idea because it has this kind of psychoanalytic way of externalizing your internal process. Can you externalize your different brain states that you need by having two different sides of your own desk? And, and saying, this is the writing, this is the editing. I think you get so many creators arguing about whether you should plot it or pants it, whether you should plan it or just wing it. And I personally believe, as someone who can fall off on either side of that horse, I personally believe that trying to walk that tightrope is impossible and it's actually something where you just need to do one or the other at different times. And so I, I get that it's easy to get stuck in your head. I get that being analytical and critical about what you're doing can sometimes make you lock up. It can sometimes make the work worse. But I think if you can integrate that, not at the same time as your play, but at different times. If you can play the game loose and let it go and then transition to a point where you're critical and you're watching the tape and vice versa, you're going to get the best results. And I think, honestly, the game of creativity is the ability to to manifest and direct and control different brain states. I think creativity is the sport of controlling your brain, accessing the different parts of your psyche on command. It's a heck of a game. It's a difficult game. But with ritual and process and, and rules and, um, and tools like the ones that we talked about in this episode, I think it's possible And if you go follow your favorite creators and you listen to their interviews and you consume uh, all their different points of view, the people that are really masters at their craft, you're going to hear them have all of these different tricks for accessing different parts of the brain when they need to. And so I love this question because it gets at something that I feel like we're going to, we need to talk about on a regular basis, which is yes, all of this talking and thinking about creativity is a really powerful practice, but only if it's in balance with play and fun and doing. I love the opening of 
the podcast Design Matters by Debbie Millman because she says this great little synthesis of a kind of three-act story where it's we can do design and we or we could talk about design or we could do both and i think doing both is the key just not at the same time help it's at bus but first doodles on instagram i'm still starting out i have found my style after three years and also my color palette but i love doing animals and lettering and surface patterns i don't really know if i'm that good at any of them i just keep doing all of them because i love it even if i don't really get a lot of feedback what should i be doing now thanks Okay, this is a great question, and it gets to something that I've wanted to talk about recently. First of all, I just want to say, you don't have to monetize your passion. You don't have to make art for anybody else. It sounds like you're having a great time. It sounds like you enjoy what you're doing. You don't have to do it for anybody else. This also kind of gets at something that has been really bugging me lately in myself. I see this desire to be on every app, on every platform, in every different medium. And I know that it doesn't serve me because it's that idea that you can do anything you want, but you can't do everything you want. That um, there's a lie that you need to be everywhere all the time. And I think about where does this pressure come from? And I think it's manufactured by, you know, whether on purpose or not, tech companies feeling doing all these things, creating this FOMO comparison thing where you feel like if you're not making TikToks, if you're not making reels, if you're not making YouTube shorts, if you're not making, if you don't have a YouTube channel and a podcast and a newsletter, like you're in big trouble, man. But actually I'm not sure that that energy is what my favorite creators do. I think that they have a focus and they might have one of any of those things, but that desire and that need to succeed on Instagram and get people to like your work and do things in a particular way, I think it's, it can be a distraction and that pressure to show up in all these places and create content content. for all of these different internet monsters as my buddy Brad Montague would talk about how the internet is just this insatiable monster for content that demands more and more and more and is never really interested or satisfied with what you actually make. I think that that's, maybe it's manufactured by tech companies, maybe not, but I, they have a really good reason to make you feel that way because you're making their platforms interesting and you're helping them sell ads. And I think you should be careful about trying to please the algorithm, trying to feed the internet monster and just be aware that that might, that's probably not in your best interest as much as it feels like it probably is. And then the other thing that I wanted to get to that this brings up is I've been thinking a lot about 
creating some kind of course or some kind of um, book or resource and let me know if you're interested in this that takes some of the classes I've done online and a lot of the stuff from the podcast and, and talks and, and different things that I've done and it systematizes them into a more categorized process because I get concerned sometimes that this podcast can be a little bit like drinking from a fire hose. It can be like a lot of ideas every week. And we're thinking this week, we're thinking about creativity and style. And next week we're talking about promotion. And this week, you know, like we're going all over the place with so many prompts. It's this huge buffet and it can be really difficult to know which thing to utilize and practice. And it can get you running in a bunch of different directions all at once. And the intention with the show is that it would just give you a new idea every week that may inspire hope that there are actions you could take that would get you closer to, you know, living out your creative potential, whatever that means. And so I've thought a lot about like, okay, if it was a system, if we could organize these different things in a sequence, even if it's not perfect, what would that look like? And I think it looks something like mining. I've talked about this before, the mine, refine, shine idea where you're mining the work, the creative side, the, the identity side, getting in touch with who you are and your craft and your style, that kind of thing. And then secondly, refining it for market, like figuring out who needs this, who wants this, where are the opportunities to do this kind of thing and refine what you do crafted for this is for TV, this is for movies, this is for TikTok, this is for Instagram, whatever it is. And really taking the raw material that you have and refining it to something in a way where people can actually consume it. It's the idea of often we want to take that espresso and just pour it into people's hands. But you got to think about like what kind of container does this need to be in? And we need to craft those containers thoughtfully and, and well for the opportunities that are in front of us today. And then finally, it's shining it out in the world. It's shining and, and marketing and sales and networking and doing the work justice. If you, if you believe in the work, it, it really makes sense to put in the work to get people to actually see it and give it, give it a chance of it actually making a difference in anyone's life. And so that's kind of the marketing promotion side of the business. And I think that ultimately, if your practice isn't working, it's either a problem with the work, the where you're putting it in the market, and then how you're selling it and how you, what your plan is to promoting to promote it. And I think if you have that framework, you can say, which of these things isn't working? Which of these steps am I stuck on? And whichever one it is, that's the one that needs your attention. And I don't know about you, but for me personally, I have so many ideas, so many desires, so many things I want to do. And I have a really, really hard time saying no to any of them. And I've found it to be a useful tool to never say no to any of these ideas 
and rather say a not yet to say, okay, yes, I want to write this book. Yes, I want to make this video. Yes, whatever it is. Yes, I want to make these t-shirts. Yes, I want to do that. But it might not, and it might not be a no, but it might be a not yet. And I need to focus on not what I want to do, but what I need to do next. What area? Is it money? Is it time? Is it fulfillment? Is it achievement? What, what is it? Which area is lacking and, and desperate for attention that needs my attention right now? What domino can I knock over right now that will either knock over these other desires or make it easier to knock them over? That's an idea from the book, The One Thing, which really helps you narrow down what to focus on. And so I've been thinking about this process of mind refined shine. Like it's either the work isn't up to snuff, you haven't found where it fits properly, where there's actual a growing market and an opportunity, or you haven't done the work to get it out there properly. You haven't put in the time to network and connect and collaborate and, um, or you don't have a good, uh, customer journey of how they discover it all the way to get to know it and love it. And then actually have a way to support you. Like we talk about a thousand true fans on the show a lot, this idea from Kevin Kelly, where you really only need a thousand people that are willing to spend a hundred bucks on your work every year in order to survive as a creator. But in order to do that, you actually have to have an opportunity to spend a hundred bucks that, that one person could spend. And so it's, it could be any number of things in that customer journey that's wrong, but that third element, maybe you have, you've figured out your work, you have great work, you've found a great market that's growing, that has people that are inspiring and, and people are tuning in and interested in buying work in that, in that sector, but you don't have a customer journey, you don't have a way to be discovered, you don't have a way for them to get to know you, you don't have a way for them to buy into what you're doing in any significant way. It's one of those three things that isn't firing. And when I listen to your question, I am thinking, okay, you've, you've put in the time mining. So you know some of the stuff that you've got, you know what you're capable of, you know, like you said, your style, but it sounds like you haven't fit it in, you haven't refined it for market in a way where other people know how to engage with it, know that this is the thing that they're looking for. And so I would recommend getting into your target market, getting into who is this for, not just based on what you like, but yeah, the Venn diagram needs to be what you've got and what they want, what they're looking for. And it's unique to this time and space. Like where are the growing markets? And we did an episode recently, episode 419, I believe it is, all about, uh, there's a tool in that episode called the BCG Growth Matrix. It is about how to organize all the things you do and find which of them is in a growing market that you should invest in and double down on. So you can go check out that episode 419. You can also download a little worksheet regarding that tool so you can organize all the different arms of your business and put them into that tool and make decisions on it. You can download that by signing up to the newsletter at creativepeptalk.com slash growth. 
Also, you can sign up to the newsletter right on the main page or creativepeptalk.com slash path, P-A-T-H. And there is a whole little workbook, an ebook for, it's, it's free. It's free. And it's all to help you in that second stage of refining for clients, opportunities, and markets, taking your gift and what you've got and figuring out how to craft it in such a way that it's something that people want and and create a container for that that they can use to sip on that delicious nectar that is your work. Creative Pep Talk is your weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. I'm a New York Times bestselling picture bookmaker and illustrator for clients like Apple and Xbox. I pep talk teams at creative hubs like Warby Parker and Sesame Street. And I make this podcast because as someone with ADHD, it takes a whole lot of creativity just to get out of bed in the morning, let alone attempting to try to create a thriving creative practice. This show is just me sharing the things that seem to be helping me in case it helps anybody else. Shout out to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music and soundtrack. Huge thanks to Connor Jones of Pinning Beautiful for sound design and editing the show. Massive thanks to Katie Chandler, Ryan Appleton, and Sophie Miller for podcast assistance of all kinds. And thanks to you for listening. Until we speak again, stay pepped up.